0: darkness falls across the land, the midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize Yal's neighborhood, and whoever shall be found without the soul for getting down must stand and face the hounds of hell and rot inside a corpse's shell. The demons squeal in sheer delight, it's you they spy so plump so right. For although the groove is hard to beat, it still you stand with frozen feet. You try to run, you try to scream, but no more sun you'll ever see. For evil reached from the crypt to crush you in its icy grip. The foulest stench is in the air, the funk of forty thousand years, and grisly gruels from every tomb, closing in to seal your doom. And though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver, for no mere mortal can resist the evil of the Thriller. Can (laughs) you
1: dig it? (laughs) The problem is, a bunch of people are just going to think, oh, is that the Michael Jackson
0: song he was just reading?
2: Uh, Yeah. Isn't it like 10 a.m. for you?
0: Kind of is. Welcome to the latest episode of the Silicon Sasquatch podcast. uh I'm your ringleader this week, uh, Tyler Martin. With me is Aaron Thayer. Good evening, Spencer Tordoff. Yep, Nick Cummings. Hey there. And new to the podcast, joining us is uh, Britt McGinnis.
3: Hold on to your hats. <laughs> what? What about Eve? Come on. <laughs>
4: that's good. That's that's uh, more creative than I think I've ever been with my intro. That
3: was. I love the clip. I, any clip out of "What About Eve" is could easily be edited into a horror flick it's kind of great
0: in case you haven't guessed it this week we're going to be focusing on horror both uh of the deliberate variety and maybe the more surprising games that scared us in ways that we didn't expect
3: not to be confused with jump scares
4: Eh,
0: i don't (laughs) think doom 3 is going to get much of a mention on this this week's episode
4: monster closets rest in peace (laughs) Also, Doom
2: 3, which is Monster Closets the game. That's all it is. It's all Monster Closets. Wall to wall. You open a closet, there's a monster in there.
3: I don't trust anything with Doom in the title anymore. I've been ruined.
0: Costume Quest. Not to be confused with the R. Kelly Halloween remix monster in the closet. I'm
3: thinking of Invader Zim.
2: Isn't that a midget in the closet?
1: (laughs) It's not the appropriate PC term, Spencer.
3: Zim is not a midget. A dwarf? Zim is, Zim is not yes. a dwarf. Small person?
2: Little people.
3: <laughs> you know nothing of Zim.
2: Uh, I know enough. We are anyway. already going off the rails here. We are yeah. indeed, <laughs> but it's fine because we fix it in post, by which I mean I fix it in post. Thank you. So, Tyler, Lesser's tears, save this podcast. <laughs>
3: Many times. Uh,
0: I don't know about you guys, but I am someone who has always enjoyed being legitimately scared. Uh, I grew up with a mother that would go out of her way to torture my sister and I, uh, turning off all lights in the house, making weird whispering sounds. Mm. Once we figured out how to actually turn the lights back on, she would just flip the circuit breaker so we couldn't actually turn any (laughs) lights back on. Okay, this is,
2: this is surprisingly dark already. Your
3: mom's an awesome lady. (laughs) (laughs) I already like her.
0: We still kinda of resent her for it, but <laughs> these days my sister and I we really we usually enjoy watching like scary movies and that sort of thing. And I don't mean like slasher, I don't mean like grisly, like gross stuff, but I like to be scared and I love anything that makes me feel on edge. Nice. And video games have always been able to achieve a level that I think like other media just can't because you're the ones in control. Which I know, it's easy to separate yourself from a horror movie because you're not those people. Those people are their own distinct characters, and what happens to them is already kind of predetermined.
1: So do you think that horror games are a different experience than a horror movie?
0: Yeah, I would say so. And if if they are kind of a similar feeling, I think they're much more potent, or at least can be.
2: Uh, I would absolutely agree with that. Basically, the, the way I've always viewed it, and it's very similar to, to what Tyler just said, but... With a horror movie, you watch people make a series of bad decisions (laughs) that make bad things happen to them. I
3: don't know. Calling out Candyman seems like a very good decision to some.
2: Well, sure, you know, if you're in the frat or whatever. But (laughs) with a horror game, you have your best preparation, your best judgment, everything that you can do to prepare for the situation, and it has to scare you despite that. You have to still feel helpless. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so it's, it's much more involved because, you know, through a horror movie you can just be yelling, don't go in there, or hey, how about you don't split up, or what have you.
3: You guys are the jerks that yell at the screen, aren't you?
2: Uh, only when I'm hammered.
3: Jerk faces.
2: But the, uh, with a game, yeah, you don't have that. It, it's absolutely what... It, it scares you despite what you've done.
0: The interesting thing about games is trying to keep that balance because in a lot of games that start out kind of horror-esque things tend to become a bit more unbalanced towards the end of the game once you're more accustomed to the playstyle and also just the general empowerment that video games tend to offer. In mind, I have uh, Bioshock, which definitely started out horror, but then like by the end of the game, you're kind of walking one-man army, so nothing really threatens you anymore. Really? And similarly, the, the Resident Evil games.
3: Hmm. That's a really I... interesting take on Bioshock, actually. Like that's not what
2: I experienced at all. So it's interesting to hear. See, I, I, I'm kind of in line with Tyler on this one too, because I started out Bioshock, uh, freaking out. In fact, I, as I recall, uh, when I encountered the first splicers in the game, I ended up screaming "fuck you" over and over <laughs> at the top of my lungs for about thirty <laughs> seconds. Wow! And I was bludgeoning a corpse, mm-hmm. and then I took off my headphones, and other people were in the living room and staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> but as the game pro- progressed, like I got the I got the chameleon uh, ability and everything. And basically, I would just hide. And then the moment something came near me, I would kill it with one hit from the wrench and then hide again. Oh, man. And the fear was gone. It was just me actually stalking, uh, you know, the things that had terrified me earlier.
4: I had a similar experience. And it's funny that a game that was comes from a history of, you know, very intense uh, kind of horror genre like System Shock 2 before it. Uh, would so deliberately give agency and power to the player over the duration, which at, you know at the cost of the horror, which makes me wonder if it was designed as like a reward to the player, and if so, do players really want to feel more empowered in that kind of game? I don't know, just kind of a weird thought.
3: I love Bioshock partly just because I I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I feel like the element of the grotesque can be really hard to nail down in video games, just because you know somebody made whatever you're seeing. So to have something genuinely just ugh or oh god, how does that work? Like just the element of something being grotesque and alien and foreign is really hard to nail. What I loved about Bioshock, and this is so different from what you guys are saying, which is fascinating to me, I I felt like part of the horror came from the main character kind of assimilating into this really crazy post-apocalyptic world so that by the end you're you're so much a part of it. Like, I was scared at the beginning for a little while, like, especially with the Sander Cohen part just leaping out, just fucking murdering you for disturbing the Splicers. If you did. If you did. And then by the end of it, I was just bellowing, I will kill you if you touch her! When the Splicer (laughs) approached a little sister. Like, that descent into the assimilation of the crazy world was very
1: horror So you become complicit in the horror, is what you're saying, as the player in Bioshock, or...?
3: no, it's almost not quite final girl-ish in terms of horror, but almost like in order to get out, you have to become just as crazy as everything else around you. Like kind of the descent into madness trope, which almost, yeah, which I found very horror-esque. Right. So, yeah, I I don't know what it is, but I didn't start out totally gunko, ho ready to kill things. I was just very much like, okay, this is creepy, this is creepy. Oh, shit! And then at the end, I'm like, okay, I am... I am so deep into this. I'm going to fight my way out because there's no way they can mess with me now.
0: Well, I think you could certainly make a case that at the end, Bioshock is still in the horror genre. I wouldn't say that anything, probably after you encounter the Houdini splicers, was really all that scary. I
2: disagree. Sim- well, okay. I don't remember the full chronology of the game, but um, I feel like the game came out of horror, then descended back into it for
4: the duration of Fort Frolic.
3: Oh, yeah. And then came back
4: out. Because Fort Frolic was masterfully uh, freaky. I would say, yeah, that makes sense in the last... I feel like the the horror kind of climaxed with um, your encounter with Andrew Ryan.
3: Oh, that was so horror-esque. I love that, just the close-up and the speaking through the blood. That was extremely horror-like in my Mm
1: -hmm. mind. So, I have a counterpoint, because we're talking about Bioshock, and you guys describing it as the horror of what's going on. For me, I actually didn't think it was a horrifying game, and I actually kind of have difficulties finding horror in many of the games that I've played. Um, I guess most, most recently, I would say L- The Last of Us, which could be some sort of horror, which we've discussed that not um, officially on the site. But when I think about games, the problem I have with the horror and how they portray it compared to, say, a movie... Um, You being the player, you have that element of power in some way, and many games take that away throughout the course of the journey or whatever you're doing. But for me, it becomes so uh, repetitious that the first time you saw in The Last of Us a clicker, you're freaking out. But by the end of the, the the game, you're not scared of them at all, and you're just kind of watching the story. I wasn't scared anymore. It was more about... Um, for me, the, the, the first time and really the only time I remember being scared of a game was the jump out moment in Resident Evil 2 when like the dogs jump through the window in the police station, which is kind of classic, but that's it. It was just a cheap horror thrill, but I don't get scared by the games. Do you think that the repetition aspect of combat and exploration and fighting the same enemies over actually dismisses it?
0: In Last of Us... In Last of Us, I think, yeah, the clickers, definitely, like, they're so predictable in their behavior and they become so easy to manipulate that they became non-threatening to me, to, certainly by the end of the game. But the human enemies definitely always kind of made me tense up, especially the last part of the game when they have, like, uh, body no, armor and assault rifles. Haven't heard it. I haven't, heard it. I haven't,
3: heard it. I haven't played it. I haven't <laughs> well, played it. Uh,
2: without without uh, spoiling oh. Fritz's experience <laughs> with uh, spoilers or anything. Um, for me and this this kind of comes back to involving yourself and having that heart of darkness experience uh the horror became less uh about the actual game and more how I was playing the game yeah yeah, and that it that involved a lot of like while I was playing, I would be taking people hostage and then shooting all their friends and then shooting them in the head or screaming taste the brick <laughs> as i threw a brick at a man's head
3: How do you live and with then yourself I would, sir
2: Well well and then and then i would step back from the game and i'd go oh god Yeah that that's
3: Oh
0: yeah. I that's was a, i was just that, a monster That's
3: part of it and I, I think...
0: Spencer, <laughs> out of curiosity, what difficulties you play this game on?
2: I started on normal and then I dropped it to easy after a while, so, I mean, oh I was God. getting away with a lot of shit, but, you know. Well, I
0: mean, that's kind of a that's kind of a two-prong problem there, in that if you want to play as a horror game, yeah. you want it to be as difficult as possible. That's to true. That, level that is absolutely
2: true. I don't
3: know about that. And also,
0: Naughty Dog has always suffered from the Halo issue, where it's like hard mode is pretty much the way you want to play their games.
3: I don't know, though. I, like When you play it on an easier mode, though, you're more able to get immersed
2: in the story and that's true but i mean i don't but think games
0: that, the horror doesn't come from the story
4: well, The horror
2: okay
3: this is this is that is awesome. true
2: i know i do agree i do agree
4: with that
3: well okay I, I think we're kind of ignoring the elephant in the room which is slender
4: I, i'm not gonna finish slender
3: oh, okay that is <laughs> i can't you need to because it is it's
0: slender i don't find nearly as affecting as uh amnesia
4: i can't finish amnesia either
3: well, that's exactly what we're talking about with the element of hopelessness. So why
1: why do we need to finish Slender? What about it makes it appealing from the well, horror side? Well, we're talking
3: about just the element of helplessness and repetition. I mean, essentially, you've, you're you searching around for the same stuff. It's not that... It's as long of a game as you want it to be. You're searching within the same area. You're tracking within the same map, essentially. It's very repetitious. you got to watch out for Slender, but the repetition... I felt that it didn't harp, it didn't dampen the scariness at all. So, if we're talking about does repetition make for a less scary game, that I feel is a huge case. Otherwise,
0: Slender and Amnesia—they're kind of like this new wave of horror games that are a reaction to the horror games of old. Whereas, where the old, old way was that as the game progresses, you become more and more empowered to where the threats that once scared you are no longer threatening you're never empowered in Slender and Amnesia. And I find that kind of frustrating because as a someone who's been playing games for years, I want to feel like playing the game will enable me to develop some skills that will benefit me later on rather than just having this continued feeling of helplessness. One game I think that ha- has that balance really well was... Uh, Resident Evil Nemesis. Let's
3: see, would you rather would you rather be empowered or would you rather be scared?
0: I think you can balance both though. I think Dead Space did a good job of that. Really? What I'm talking about Nemesis is that when you play the game the first time, like obviously with new game plus and everything, you can become like you can have infinite IMO rocket launches and everything. But the first time you play that game, Nemesis is freaking terrifying. You do not have the firepower to put him down. Even if you do put him down, eventually he's going to get back up. And so as the game progresses, you can kind of wrap your mind on the way he behaves and what works well against him, but he's going to keep coming after you no matter what.
3: I think that's getting into an issue of, are, should horror games be treated the same as other genres? Like, are they meant to be played more than once?
2: Well, I I suppose that is part of it. But uh, to to address the previous question of whether empowerment should be part of it or should it be balanced or should you just never be empowered... I love amnesia in theory. The the notion of a horror game where you are never empowered, where it is actually true horror rather than survival horror or action horror, is marvelous. It's not true
0: horror, though. Because in most horror movies or in most horror genres, in the end, the hero triumphs. No, most of it doesn't no, end no, in tragedy. No, not
3: all of them. Not all. Well,
0: then maybe... Not all of them, no, but most of them no. do. Well Okay, okay.
3: Carrie, Mama... There's a lot that don't involve that.
2: I'll, I'll just say that we're we're entering a a place where you might divide it between horror uh, the genre and horror the emotion, which is more what it, amnesia is uh, meant to evoke. I think, but um, for me, like I love it in theory. I have played a total of 30 minutes of amnesia, <laughs> and it concluded with me backing into a cabinet <laughs> and shutting the door on myself. Aww. And that was it. Like I just couldn't handle well, any more than well, that.
0: What time to go? Um, Sister, what you're talking about is another element of the balance of horror in games is that if you if you I feel like if you go too far in that horror direction it stops being enjoyable. It stops being fun, and people aren't going to play your game. It's kind of what's happening. You've
3: definitely played the. You've played the Last of Us lately, I see.
0: <laughs> it's kind of like what's happening right now. Like I've seen reactions to people playing horror games using the Oculus Rift.
3: Oh yeah. And oh, oh that's so. It's horrifying.
0: so immersive, and it's so terrifying to the point that like no one wants to do that because like who <laughs> would enjoy this? Like who wants to yeah. subject themselves to this level of insanity?
4: There are adrenaline junkies though. I, I have a friend who swears by amnesia and uh, a machine for Pigs, a sequel that just came out. He loves the fact that those games don't empower you, the fact that it's just an adrenaline rush the whole way through and it's a kind of a test of your will. Also isn't that our isn't that our biggest fan? Uh, yeah, hey James, how you doing? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say give him a shout out. Hi James.
0: Machine for Pigs doesn't work the same way as uh, Dark descent though, right? I thought the mechanics were a little bit different.
4: I know there's electricity now. Maybe that's a nice thing. Maybe you get a flashlight. Maybe it goes out at key moments. (laughs) I I do want to, like, before we jump ahead, though, I do want to call out what Tyler said. I think that there really has been kind of, like, there's a new and an old school of... Uh, horror game design where it was it did follow every other you know the traditional video game design where the player learns or acquires new skills through play and then emerges feeling more capable more powerful by the end and even the scarier games like some of the better resident evils and silent hill fatal frame all those things they they do empower the player over the course of the game or like half-life or half-life 2 which are games that are not horror games per se but have definite elements of horror that subside when you get powerful. They dip into
2: horror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
4: it's it's actually really excellent. Like uh, my,
2: my go-to example back in 2004, back almost 10 years ago, uh, was that Doom was supposed to be a horror game, but by the time you hit hell, it's actually not scary <laughs> at all. You're too empowered. Whereas Half-Life 2 is just a first-person shooter with a really engrossing story, and for the duration of Ravenholm, it dips very effectively into horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just comes right back out, and you're back to the regular game. And I definitely prefer the latter over the former. Like, I would prefer a, a game that temporarily goes into horror over a game that fails to deliver horror throughout.
3: So you'd rather have a game with horror elements than a horror game by genre. With
2: horror elements versus something that isn't able to balance it which That's interesting. Uh, as okay. as nick said uh dead space balances really well but we'll get to that
0: i think the key is the concept of uh tension like some, the best games that work on that really well are the games that eventually at some point in the game they completely alleviate the tension and at least make you feel safe for some period of time i
3: don't know but we could talk about like the elements of horror for like two hours
2: but no but i i, I do agree with that like If you're tense the whole time, then you just freak out. You're back into the cabinet, like I described. Uh, So you have to have some safe moments, even if occasionally a safe moment is disrupted.
0: That's what makes the Silent Hill games work so well. Like, Silent Hill 2 especially stands out to me as one of the greatest horror games ever. It's phenomenal. Uh, Partially also because of what I was talking about earlier with, like, the invincible enemy that you can eventually overcome. But also just, like, the switching between, like, the real world and, like, the nightmare hellscape that... Silent Hill shifts between, like, you have these moments where it's like, okay, I can breathe now, like, things aren't going to go to shit (laughs) in the next five minutes and it makes it so that when everything changes again it's like, oh god, what is coming up now that I need to, like, brace myself for and you never know and the, even though the enemies in that game aren't necessarily all that threatening they're just so weird and so uh, they're, like, partially recognizable as, like ordinary things, but they're just completely
4: alien yeah, at the same they're time. To a point, yeah, they're abstracted to a point where it almost feels like half subconscious, like deeply rooted in like some concept you should be familiar with, and half just totally out of this world.
3: Well, that's another thing too, like the element of the grotesque. Like, is that? Do you feel that that's mostly a horror film element, or could that factor into video games? I feel like
4: historically a lot of games dipped into the grotesque, but the technology wasn't there to really give it its due. Like, look at... Like, Dooms and Monsters are all, like, pretty grotesque by any definition, but they look cartoony and are terribly animated.
0: I think the problem is also that we've had jibs in games since, like, Unreal, so the idea of just body parts and blood and everything, it's not...
4: It's almost more comical in games.
0: Yeah, it's not as explicitly a horror element as it is in other uh, media.
3: Well, like, partly why why I ask is because I just started American Mickey's Alice, and... Yeah, playing it on the PS3, you can definitely tell it's a PC port. Like, just everything. The technology is not there to make these things scary, but there's definitely a feeling of the grotesque. Like, the enemy designs. Did is you great.
0: find the original Alice scary, though?
3: Uh. Wait, the original. Uh, that's not a mod. The original American Mickey's Alice.
4: Oh, they bought that to PS3?
3: Yeah.
0: It was like a pre order bonus, wasn't it? If you bought the game.
3: Yeah, that's an add on to Madness Returns. So okay. they ported it for people who bought Mad- Madness Returns. But, yeah, so the technology is definitely slow, but it gives off a very creepy vibe at times through pure character design.
4: The game had a great sense of place, I remember
3: it oh, it's wonderful, but yeah, so I'm just wondering, like, do you think it's grotesqueness is really tied to technology?
2: I don't think grotesqueness has any place in uh, in horror games at this point like really wait, why is that? Well, okay, maybe not no place, but less of a place. I've always considered grotesqueness and body horror like saw type things (laughs) um to be the kind of the lowest
4: denominator of horror you haven't seen good you haven't seen good body horror then
0: spencer the the best counter example i can give you right now is the first time i played resident evil 4 walking to that village encountering the chainsaw guy and subsequently getting my head cut off. Oh god. And I literally had to put the controller game and walk away from the game after that cuz I was like I can't I can't deal with this right Jeez. now. I can't.
4: I was laughing my head off when that happened. No pun intended.
3: Who's gonna who's gonna play The Evil Within when it comes out?
4: I hope to.
0: Probably. Yeah. <sighs> yeah I got some that looks like friends the- over there that are working in that game. It sounds like it's going pretty well. I'm just worried it's going to be a little too similar to the Resident Evil games. That's uh, that's Shinji Mikami, right? Well, I mean, if you looked at the gameplay so far, it looks very RE4. I just,
3: I just, I, from what I've seen of that, it looks like some of the best body horror I've seen in a while, game or film. It,
4: it it is something that hasn't been done well in games traditionally, though. I will, I can't think of any good examples. Like when I think of good movies that handle that, like Old Boy to an extent did, Audition, mm-hmm. but uh, erased your head. Yeah.
3: Oh, love that movie. <laughs> that's, that's an example of technology you don't need good i don't think you need high tech to do grotesqueness in movies but games probably i'm with you guys on that
0: who is the david lynch of games <laughs> i
3: don't but know that's not
2: body horror that's, that's just 65 right? unsettling that, i i describe david lynch as a comedy director from a different dimension
3: So that's grotesque. That is, in a way, the very definition of grotesque.
2: Perhaps I don't want to see what
0: horror looks like in that dimension.
2: (laughs) I don't either. Though it might look like sitcoms
3: or Far Cry
0: or or German pornography
2: (laughs) (laughs) or German pornography. Okay, perhaps I haven't seen good body horror, but I'm a person who becomes a monster when I play first-person shooters, and it's not conscious. It's just, I start yelling in elation whenever I knife somebody in Battlefield, and if I blow somebody up, I, like, Gibbs everywhere, I start laughing. (laughs) If I could put C4 on myself and charge into a group of people in a multiplayer server, I would do it.
3: See, I would do that, but then they'd call me way too many C-words.
2: I'm just a crazy person, and so, like... Somebody, like, blood being everywhere and organs, that'll make my skin crawl a little, but that's partially because of the lung collapse I had a while ago. Oh, well, then that'll do it. Uh,
0: that'll do it. So, Spencer, is your, is your battlefield name going to be Alal Akbar? Or is it Admiral Akbar?
2: Look, I don't know what to tell you based on the number of suicide and C4 kills I already have in Battlefield. And I'm, you know, I'm not getting Battlefield (laughs) 4 yet, but...
3: We're going to a dark place, man. I'm
2: just saying, I'm just saying that is not something that phases me. uh, Where it has to be something, a, a sense of vulnerability, a sense of fear that actually really gets me in a horror game versus any type of body parts being screwed anywhere. I can... I, body parts can be strewn anywhere, and my reaction is to screw the body parts of my eni- enemies all over the place.
0: Do you guys think a game could get away with doing the exact opposite and having you start out completely empowered, but slowly taking I away have, that empowerment? To, like,
2: to see that, that would be magical. If that
3: exists, I will pay. Oh
1: in a way, God, I think Gone Home does that. I mean, and I think if yeah. we're talking about horror, I think we've gotten away from some of the main point. Like, I think that games and horror it's actually weakened by two things, by the cheap thrills and the, the aspect of the early film in horror, and that most of the, the horror games that we played up until recently are just copies of survival horror. Like, I think that's been a lot of the problem with games, and we've mentioned moments and kind of feelings about horror, but something Spencer said uh, way earlier was, you know, the action, the, the horror that he'll find in it too, in a game is how he's reacting, how he's feeling when he plays it. So if we just went off of that basic definition, you could consider GTA a horror game because if you feel like after you play that you could rob an actual bank, then that's horrific how you'd be feeling that. So what then is the actual horror aspect of games? Do we think it's progressing and doing its own thing or is it just... Kind of resting on the laurels of previous horror establishments, like where are games going to make it different and more exciting for horror than just copying what's already been done?
3: Horror can be simple or complicated; it depends on the thought behind it.
2: Is this a good place to talk about uh, to talk about Dead Space, maybe? Because I think it's one of the better games. Well, first I want
0: want to know if Aaron considers Gone Home to be a horror game.
2: It was horrific, and it was set up that way. I think that's more
1: horror to me. I don't actually agree with that. Don't spoil anything, I still have to play it. Same, same. But I'm curious to hear why you think that. Well, the whole game, it's under the perception that you're going into a house with a mystery, that there's something perhaps ghostly related... How is that not a horror game? And then it flips the expectations at the end to make it completely different from that. So it's playing on your your uh, prejudices about what a horror title, what something scary is, and actually is not.
0: Okay, maybe I'm just overexposed to the whole idle thumbs community at this point. I remember just I listened to so much about that game leading up to its release from like Steve Gaynor, and it was just kind of a running joke with those guys that so many people assumed that there was going to be a ghost in the game. And he was like, no, there's no ghosts. It's not a ghost story. There's no so ghost in That's something in the house. that's <laughs> unique to gaming, though, right? That we
1: could have that spoiled.
3: Well, that brings up another question. Do you need something supernatural in a game for it to be horror?
4: No.
0: Well, I was just under the assumption that Gone Home was more kind of an exploration, like, fact-finding game, that there wasn't really any sort of threat or any sort of danger to the game at all. There,
4: there are allusions to supernatural elements and to kind of spookiness, and generally, you know, you're in a giant house ostensibly by yourself, uh in the dark With a storm yeah so it's a creepy setting it's not like a sunny day and you just like walk in and like nobody's there okay <laughs> what's up um it's it pla it plays with that kind of like tension but it i don't think it ever dips it, never, it for me it barely ever dipped into horror there were a couple of sequences where i was walking through certain areas or like there's a certain object you can click on that causes a jump scare I won't say what it is, but Aaron, hopefully you yeah. saw that.
1: Well, that's what I was kind of feeling from it, is it It had the use of diegetic sound, which do you guys know the concept?
3: Why don't you explain it for listeners, at least?
1: So diegetic sound is basically something within the film that is referenced, or I guess in this case, the game, that actually is known by the protagonist, by the person in the, the work. Non-diegetic sound would be something like a film music that only we, the listener or watcher, notice. So... Like in Gone Home, when you're starting, you've got the thunder and the lightning and the rain. You have the um, like emergency alert channel in the background about severe weather alerts. You have creaking in the attic, creaking in the house. It's completely silent unless you put um, tapes that you find from your your sister into tape recorders and it plays like Bratmobile and other, you know, 90s girl rock and, and stuff music. So that to me is where again, just my opinion, it's more of a horror theme that, of course, yes, in the end, it's not about that, but if you came into this game like I did, completely pristine, like I, I knew basically what it was, but I hadn't had anything spoiled, I was expecting it to be extremely dark and extremely, like, some sort of terrible reveal, which is why I loved it in the end, because it flipped those those expectations I had. To me, that's more horror, and that's using the medium in a way better way than just copying like something of a slasher flick or body horror from Korean films and stuff. That's kind of what I'm wondering if you guys think that there's more room to improve in the horror games that we're putting out, kind of like Amnesia, or is it just too much copying of?
0: I guess I just have a hard time wrapping my brain around the idea of being scared or having that tension in a game where my existence or my playthrough is never actually threatened in any way.
4: I think, I think you can be afraid of the unknown, and that can be a legitimate source of fear, even if you don't have to worry about loading a save game or dying in the game.
3: Seems like the biggest determinant of whether or not you'll be scared in a game is how intimate you are with everything that's going on. Like if you're just, Yeah,
4: look at The Walking Dead, for example. Yeah,
3: oh my god. If you're hacking and slashing through something, I'm sorry, guys, but...
0: But there was risk in The Walking Dead. Things were threatened, if not you, friends. then other people.
3: You're more likely to be scared, I feel, if you are if you know the characters or you know yourself or if you've seen a little sister struggle in your hands, you're more likely to get freaked out by everything else around you that's threatening her.
1: The emotional attachment.
3: Exactly. I think that's what causes you to be scared or not. Like, Slender is so beautiful in its simplicity because the well first of all the music is genius because it causes a sense of dread, but you have to pick things up. The notes are horribly written and scrawled. You know, you feel emotionally caught up in the game, and that's what causes you to be scared, even though it's a very simple game.
0: That's a good point about why fidelity doesn't necessarily have to affect uh, horror or tension in a game. Uh, Because, like, two games that come to mind that create that horror and that tension that are not very advanced in terms of fidelity, I think, would be the more recent uh, Lone Survivor that just was ported to PS Vita, And does not, I would not call it a great looking game, but it does certainly deliver a decent level of tension. And also uh, for the PSP Corpse Party, which was more of an adventure game, but the story is playing out and the characters are very well written and it creates a level of attachment. So when you see these like awful things just happen to people in that game, it's just like, oh, God, like we are all in a really bad way right now, (laughs) even though it's not really an action game at all can, you're just kind of playing through more of like the story that developers intended yeah. but it's just fascinating
4: watching it unfold i heard it compared to 999, I really need to check it out yeah,
0: Nick, wouldn't 999 also kind of like ride that horror line? Too? yeah,
4: I mean, uh, I'd say even Virtue's Last Reward, the sequel, does a better job of that, because there's a lot of violence uh, that can play out in different paths and a lot of like just shocking discoveries you can come across, like people that you were friends with like being brutally murdered and mutilated and um, I mean that that's a fascinating question in its own right. Of what does it mean if a game has a deliberately um, divergent narrative that you need to experience all of to finish? But uh, it doesn't really diminish the fact that when um, you come across these things, it's pretty uh, jarring.
3: Gosh, one of my favorite moments again in horror was—I know I keep talking about Bioshock, but for me, it was just huge horror memory. We're just you feel you're protecting the little sister in the last sequence and just things are reaching out and like trying to grab her. It was such a visceral moment of you're seeing this little thing struggle in just the empowerment of that. And then watching the fact that the splicer screen enhanced the entire experience because it made it so emotionally connected and made it all the scarier, but just all the more meaningful. And I think it played into being scared.
0: that was a large part of The Walking Dead, too. It was that one of the more tense moments of those games was when Clementine's existence was threatened. Oh,
3: God, yeah. And
0: even though I I reasonably assumed that, like, they're not going to kill her, especially not before the end of the story. But it was still just like every time something was threatening her or maybe she went missing or just something was in question as to what was going to happen to her it made me tense up. And I was just like, I swear to God, if anyone is going after her, anyone's going to touch her, like I am just going to start mowing down fools. Yeah. We are in the end game now. Like screw all you.
4: (laughs) I have a, I have a question for you guys here. uh, Just to deviate a bit. Um, One type of horror that we haven't talked about that I, maybe I'm just crazy or overly sensitive, but uh, I noticed that when I'm playing a number of games, especially anything where I'm using headphones and playing in first person, uh, I There's a real sort of maybe almost unintentional or s- like secondary sense of horror uh, from uh, any situation where I'm like exploring or taking a step into the unknown and uh, exposing myself to the uncertainty and danger. So examples would be like those random caves you come across in Skyrim where you don't know what's going to be down there or if you're going to like stumble into a trap, just that sort of claustrophobic feeling or in Dark Souls where... You never need to move forward. You're pretty much safe wherever you stop. But if you keep going, you don't know what you're going to come across or if you're going to be able to get back out alive uh, with a pretty high risk.
0: Skyrim and Fallout might be some of the best examples of empowerment changing the way you look at a horror experience. Because, yeah, going to the wrong place in those games early on can absolutely be terrifying. But towards the end of the game, going anywhere is so trivial to me because I'm just like... I can do anything, like, nothing is any sort of threat to me anymore. I get that,
4: but, like, I'm playing, I just fired up Skyrim again for the first time in a while, and I'm, like, level 37, pretty close to the max, I think, and uh, I still get a real sense of, like, tension and, like, dread when I go into random crypts and, like, that kind of stuff. Maybe I'm just, like, overly sensitive to the setting, but um, it's not a fear of getting killed by mobs, it's more of, like... This is a really creepy environment, and I've got headphones on, and it's dark around me, and what the hell was I thinking?
0: I think the vaults handled that really well. Yeah. Because the vaults all had some sort of gimmick that was more than just straightforward exploration and everything.
4: That's
3: actually what I was going to mention, too. The vaults in Fallout New Vegas. Oh, my God. Well, like, the the fact that they were all unique definitely played into that, because, like, oh, this one's empty. Why is this one empty? Oh, it's for this reason. And then the other one, it's like, Oh no! This is another reason why this mini society crashed, and it's like, oh my god!
0: Wasn't there a vault that was just stocked entirely with mannequins wearing vault jumpsuits? Yeah, <laughs> I,
3: <laughs> I that would maybe be I terrifying. Didn't, maybe I didn't come across that, but there was one that was full of mutant plants. And yeah, people. Well, the people had been absorbed by the spores. So there was mutant plant people, <laughs> and there were people that were partially alive. But So oh it's God, like,
4: yeah. I do you kill one. the
3: plants or do you kill the people, even though there's technically still the people? It, oh, it was awful. It's like, all the ways a, a guidebook to how society could collapse, and every possibility was played out.
0: Well, who haven't we heard from here? I mean, I know uh, one of you guys wanted to talk about Dead Space, right? <laughs> that was me.
3: <laughs> Name of the podcast. Let's talk about Dead Space.
0: As far as actual
2: intentional horror experiences go, I think it's uh, one of the better experiences out there. Uh, it's, it is empowering in its own way, but never so empowering that it ever loses track of itself. It manages to actually continue freaking you out. And there's a psychological aspect to that. And there's also the fact that, um, you know, more powerful enemies come along, but
0: certainly suffered from diminishing returns as the series went on. Too. Yeah, it did. Unfortunately.
2: I have not yet played through, uh, two and three, but, uh, I thought one was excellent, and I thought it was a really good example of uh, how to do horror without completely flying off the handle, as so many uh, other games do, where you just become too strong and there's nothing to actually scare you. You know, it, BioShock is is wonderful, but once you've killed a Big Daddy with a wrench, it just kind of loses. <laughs> yeah. I never use a wrench. What is
3: what is it with you guys? Wrenches? It's amazing. I, oh, wrench. I was
2: wrench only. I'll tell you this. The tonics that power up the wrench stack, (laughs) yeah. So you can just use all of them, and you become the king of the thuggish splicers.
3: (laughs) Whatever. I use a machine gun, knife, class.
0: The drill in Bioshock Two is even better than having like a whole whole drill playthrough. Oh my god! God, Yep, yep. But there was nothing scary about Bioshock (laughs) Two.
2: No, it was more cerebral. As far as unintentional horror experiences. I actually can't really think. of Oh, any. Minecraft! That's the one I forgot. <laughs> Minecraft is a solid. Okay, that is a, that is a solid example of that. If only for the moments that you've you've run out of food, you've run out of arrows, all your shit's about to break, and you have one hit point left, and you're trying frantically to make it back home. Covered
0: in rags. But you don't
2: remember which cave you went through to get there.
3: There's bugs in your hair. Dogs biting yeah. at your ankle.
2: And, and you're fearing hearing the hissing of a, a creeper behind you, because then you know you're going to lose all your shit. Then you accidentally look right at an Enderman. Yep. And then, and then you get murdered. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's actually quite a good yeah. example. Because don't look at the Enderman. What is wrong <laughs> with you?
3: Jeez. Who, who's played Bioshock Infinite?
2: I think everyone? I Everyone
3: okay yeah so the moment when you turn around and there's a silent boy right in your face
2: I hated that that was a good Jeez.
0: that was a good moment well
3: like I had played that entire area stealth-wise, yeah. which apparently no one else yeah. I know did just c-
0: those those creepy little dudes in like the dead president's mask too those guys were awful <sighs> yeah that yeah
2: the thing too is that I wasn't really expecting that from Infinite. It was one of those where it kind of dipped into horror unexpectedly, yes. coming from action. Sometimes
3: hilariously, as with the siren.
2: Yeah, and the fact that they did that uh, in the same way as one of the moments that really got me in the early part of Bioshock with the um, the dentist office, where the oh, yeah. the splicer just mm-hmm. shows up behind you. Oh yeah, yeah. I, it was one of those where it's 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 definitely a, you know a monster closet type of moment, but it, it also causes me. You know, it's it's good enough and it's not overused enough that I, you know, I screamed out loud. I was like, ah, and then I started trying to, you know, mm-hmm. kill it with whatever I had equipped. I forget what. Probably the pistol.
0: The wrench. <laughs> it's interesting, too, because the, the boys of silence are never actually a direct threat to you.
2: That's true. They only summon a threat. But the fact that, it, you know, just, it's right there, it's right behind you, and it's more scary that it doesn't attack you.
3: Yeah, it's just... It's just
2: there watching.
3: The whole well again, going back really quickly to the grotesque. The the scariest elements of Bioshock Infinite came from the human thing hybrids. Whether it was human spirit hybrids or human Uh, oh, like the handyman. Oh god, the handymen were wonderful. The firemen I felt were useless. The firemen didn't seem scary. The handymen were great. They were so grotesque. You could see the human head. I thought that was great.
0: I don't know, handymen were pretty scary when you heard that, like, whistle blowing and you knew that they were, like, going to be running at you to explode and anything. Oh, yeah. But
3: handymen talked.
2: Right, right, the fact that they would be screaming about how yeah. it hurts yeah. all the time. And okay. you're not shooting them, yeah. they're just screaming about yeah. that. Did you
3: hear, Did you guys oh. ever find the voxophone of of the woman whose husband was made into a handyman? I
2: think I did. Yeah.
3: Oh, God. It, basically, he, he has cancer, so he can either die or become a handyman. So... The handymen are wonderfully grotesque.
0: I'm really curious to whether or not the, the, the upcoming DLC, that they just announced a date for it today. It's going to be November 13th. Oh, great! I wonder if going back to Rapture will enable them to return to some of that horror, or if it, because it's like during the revolution, if it's not going to be able to engage in that level of horror the way the first game really it could. It might be
4: different because there was obviously, leading up to the collapse of Rapture, a lot of human atrocity being committed. -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if they can dig into kind of the darkness of the quote unquote human soul, that might be where they get that. Again, the
3: heart, the heart of darkness.
4: They
0: certainly benefit from the return to Rapture. Columbia never really felt threatening the same way because you're in such an open, bright environment. Whereas Rapture has that inherent claustrophobia, and I have a personal fear of like super deep dark water. So like it kind of scratched that itch for me too. I
3: know. I'm Irish. Columbia was freaking scary to me. (laughs) Oh god. Finding the bathrooms, finding the Irish and African American bathrooms. I'm like, okay, this something is deeply dark about <laughs> this place.
1: So, do we we've mentioned it a lot throughout this podcast? Do we think but the Bioshock series is the most uh, equivalent of horror that appeases us, or is it just the most prevalent example we can think of that blends everything pretty well?
3: Bioshock changed the game in so many ways. I think it, I think it made people think about horror in a new way. So maybe if it's not maybe it's not the best example of video game horror, it might be just such a milestone that you can't ignore
2: it. For me, I really think that uh, the pure horror is remarkable. And it's really, really good. It's really well executed. It's just too much for me as a person. Um, as far as for me personally, I really do stand by uh, Dead Space. I thought it was a good combination of... Uh, of visceral and psychological horror, and it just kind of kept up its tempo the whole time without uh, losing its potency, like so many titles do.
0: For my money, uh, Japan has just always been able to do horror games better than the West. Uh, Those early Resident Evil games, the early Silent Hill games...
4: Dino Crisis. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, really. Parasite Eve. No, I'm just kidding.
0: Or even like uh, the PlayStation series uh, Siren. They all they balance the level of horror and tension with actually creating a worthwhile and enjoyable playthrough experience for me. And I don't think the Western games have been able to find that balance as well.
4: I think I will throw an example of a Western game getting that balance your way, um, with, uh, Year Walk, which, uh, came out this year for iPhone, um, uh, which is, uh, Purely like an exploration game that uses uh, your touch screen, some pretty interesting ways to move around. Great, really creepy, kind of like almost like cardboard cutout style art, but with just a horribly like unsettling design to it. Um, and I can't really talk too much about what you do in the game be- without kind of ruining the progression. And it's not super long either. So if you have an iPhone, go get it.
3: Do you, do you think the smallness of the device influences how scary a game can be?
4: Uh, I think, I thought it could, but it all comes down to how you immerse yourself in it. So uh, Mm. most of the time I spent playing it was on different plane flights with headphones on, and it was dark around me. Ah. That helps. I wouldn't play it on a bus.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I need my cheap thrills.
4: (laughs) But uh, play the way it's intended to be played, the way they tell you to play it. It is some of the most jarring, unsettling horror. But it's also got this kind of melancholy allure to it that drew me in as I played more and more of it. Nice. So,
0: oh, and I also forgot to mention the the Fatal Frame games.
4: I was just thinking that.
3: That tickles so much of my horror film funny bone. Just the aesthetics. Oh, gosh. It's wonderful.
2: And my understanding is it's one of the less empowered ones, too, right?
0: Yeah, but you still have some defense against what's going on around you. At least, mm. at least
3: an identifier. I, I think part of Part of horror games is not knowing what is running at you, and in Fatal Frame you have a means of discovering.
4: Yeah, it's come a long way from like Super Nintendo's Clock Tower, <laughs> which, if you haven't gone back and played, it's it's worth checking out.
3: Gosh, Clock is another one of those buzzwords like Doom, where I've just, I've learned to avoid anything that has Clock or Doom in it because it's become such a signifier of a mediocre like horror Clock Tower,
2: game. Doom Clock. <laughs> <laughs> Doom Clock
4: 5. <laughs> time keeps ticking. This time it's personal.
3: That I'd play.
4: Now with online the co-op. Future. Pre-order now for you. GameStop. <laughs> Tiger Camo Skin M16.
0: <laughs> oh, one one last game that I think... One last game. Kind of ...walks that line. Uh, Iko. Mm. Mm. Even though you were never... Explicitly threatened, like those shadow creatures constantly pulling Yorda into those portals. Those created some very tense moments for me. Yeah,
4: the lack of music or anything like that kind of helped emphasize that to me too. I would actually say Shadow of the Colossus. Really? As a horror, it's terrifying. Yeah. Well, it's not terrifying to me so much as like seeing how your character progresses and the things you do, and as you become more and more aware of what an atrocity it is, and then Mm. at the very end when you're not to spoil the game for anybody, but like the whole. I think you like,
1: could spoil it by now.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's been like pff, a bajillion years. It's not a happy ending, and the what happens to your body, and like your struggle to try and do your that last thing before the game ends. That I, I felt like that was a really good realization of just the sort of like fable like horror story.
3: I'm gonna be curious to see if the witness is classified as horror. That'll be interesting.
0: So, for final thoughts, I want to know what do you guys consider to be like the key elements of horror in games? Would you say it's like the sound design? Would you say it's that empowerment? Would you say it's like that that constant threat? What is it that defines horror for you in these games?
2: For me, sound is of course important, but the most important aspects to convey horror are um, it's really a combination of uh, empowerment or lack thereof. Um, so threat, I guess, is is what I'm saying. So a combination of threat and psychological impact. Because you don't have to take away empowerment to delve into horror in a game that's not mostly horror. But to just have that psychological impact, to have freaky things happening all around you with no real clear explanation, and then just have it disappear the next level, that can make a really great horror sequence, one that stands out in
4: an otherwise good but not horror game. Well said. Yeah, I, I like that. I think for me it just comes down to one thing, which is how well it convinces the player to give up control and to let the game drive them through these experiences and to kind of voluntarily take up the hardship of um, enduring what it throws at you, like emotionally and like psychologically.
0: Yeah, the best games definitely seem to have an excellent grasp of the whole carrot and stick mentality, mm-hmm. where it's like they give you sufficient reason to continue through these sort of challenging or so sort of these terrifying moments in hopes that you'll eventually reach this new reward, this new experience that makes it all worthwhile.
3: I have to say, emotional attachment to the situation. Just there are horror games that definitely they set up a very scary situation. They they're dark or they're well designed, but if you if you're not at all immersed, if you don't if you don't care at all what your care what happens to your character then, it it's not effective. Uh, one that I actually watched somebody play was recently was Huntsman the Orphanage. And very silly design, very I hate to use the word, but cheap. Just very lo-fi, very low development cost. But The orphans that you learn have, perish or not, in the orphanage just... They got live footage of kids dressed up as them to kind of act in videos that you can encounter. And it makes you actually really attached, so the moment where you think, oh god, something is killing them, you're more attached to it, and that in itself makes it horrifying. I think if a game can really just drag you in and make you care about what's going to happen. Like, you don't have to involve little kids. Like, like has come up numerous times in this podcast. But if you can actually care about not only whether you live or die or whether or not the puzzle will get solved or whether or not there is something in that tree, I think that's the main determinant of whether or not you yourself will be scared.
0: Nice. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, would you like to tell the listeners where they can find you outside of Silicon Sasquatch?
2: You can only find me at Silicon Sasquatch. I'm actually <laughs> a being that ceases to exist <laughs> if Silicon Sasquatch goes down, which led to me not existing for about a half hour earlier today. <laughs> He's an Apple two that we have contribute pretty frequently. It's just a
1: He's physically
2: attached to an Apache server. It's unpleasant.
3: That's the best you guys could afford?
2: I'm actually just a random number generator that gets really lucky all the time. <laughs> we th- And you can't prove otherwise.
1: We took him out of the Knight Rider vehicle and just changed the voice from Mr. Feeney. I'm
3: going to design some t-shirts, sell them just so we can upgrade the (laughs) stuff.
0: All right. Well, I don't suppose anyone else wants to plug their Twitter (laughs) feed or any other means of
4: conveyance. Britt, you're new here. Plug yourself.
3: Oh, thanks. I am at Britt McGinnis. Um, I am on Pinterest as Reporter Britt, and I pin video game stuff. So, if you're a dude, you have an excuse to follow me. Most of my stuff is linked together. So, if you go on my Twitter, you'll find my website. If you go on your website, you'll find me on Twitter. Social Synergy. Pinterest is everywhere. And it, you gotta.
1: Yeah, nothing I do outside of Silicon Sasquatch is interesting. So, <laughs> just find me
2: on there. <laughs>
1: I
0: don't, and
2: it's worked <laughs> swimmingly for me. Spencer makes Rob zombie gifts.
4: Check those out. <laughs> Only on request. Yes. Uh, you guys know where to find me. I'm always on the site, uh, at Nick Cummings on Twitter, if you want to say hi.
1: angelfire.com slash Nick Cummings.
0: <laughs> and I'm at Tyler A. Martin, and you can, of course, find Silicon Sasquatch on Twitter at Sasquatch Gaming. Thank you for listening to this week's Sasquatch podcast. We'll catch you next time.
2: Because this <laughs> is thriller! Thriller <laughs> night! Oh, boy. And watch for our Let's Play of Nightcraft. <laughs> Let's not. Play that. Good, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. The Silicon Sasquatch podcast is a production of siliconsasquatch.com. Our panelists for this episode were Aaron Thayer, Tyler Martin, Nick Cummings, Britt McGuinness, and Spencer Tordoff. The remainder of our editorial staff is Doug Bonham, and this episode was produced by Spencer Tordoff. If you'd like to read more of our work or check out our other podcast, Memory Card, please have a look at siliconsasquatch.com. Thanks for listening.